You're listening to I Am Here. Welcome, Kat. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's just start out by introducing you. You are Kat Kruger, and you are the GM for D20 Dames. Yes. Yes. Tell me a little bit about yourself and or D20 Dames. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I am I'm a freelance writer. I write for gaming and entertainment primarily. Um, I run my own company called Steampunk Unicorn Studio, uh, where I write, yeah, freelance and I do some, I do some editorial work as well. But, uh, prior to that, I was a, I was a young adult author and D20 Dames is a, what we call a tabletop storytelling podcast powered by Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's sort of actual play, but it's also, um, a little bit produced so that, you know, when we're all rolling ones, we, don't subject our listeners to that necessarily, <laughs> unless there's a good reason to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a group. Our podcasts come out every other week. Um, and there are uh, five of us in the podcast. I'm the I'm the dungeon master. And we've got Jen Bond playing Riot, uh, Ranger Tiefling. And there's Maris Mullally, who is a uh, who's playing a human monk. And Essie Holman is playing a half elf warlock whose patron is the Raven Queen. And we also have a, a producer, Brittany. Yeah, who she just works magic. Wonderful. Why D D? Well, Jen and I are both uh in a, a group together, a D D group together. And for me, it was basically my first RPG, a tabletop RPG. And I think, I think Jen had always wanted to play. And we just, we just, because we had this really wonderful group, we decided, well, she actually approached me first, uh, to, to discuss the possibility of doing like a Twitch, a Twitch stream of D and D. And she also wanted to do some charity events, uh, for, for women's charities. And while I love the idea, I also did not like the idea of actually having to get dressed up and, sit in front of a camera with a group of people. I thought it was a little bit more time consuming and a little bit more difficult to get the people together regularly. So I suggested, well, we both love D&D. How about we do podcast? And that way we can do it at night. We can do it in our pajamas. And uh, we could also control uh, a little bit more of the production side of things. And, you know, like I said, edit out superfluous bits of the story and really focus on the storytelling element. So D&D came because we both really loved D&D and saw the potential for it to be um, a storytelling device. That's awesome. And so as the five of you kind of were getting together, uh, was there anything like forefront in your mind about the direction that you wanted to take the podcast or like where you wanted it to go or how you wanted it to impact the community? Yeah, it's it's really funny because when, when I started thinking about the story side of things, and it was determined pretty early on that I was going to be the, the dungeon master because I think I might be the only one that has experience as a DM and also because I have a writing background. 
when we first started talking about it, I was thinking, let's do Rat Queens-esque high fantasy, <laughs> like sass and sorcery sort of thing. Yeah. And everybody was on the same page. And then we started playing. And actually, we had a session zero too. And, and in that session zero, we decided that we weren't going to actually swear in the podcast because we didn't want to get the explicit rating on iTunes. Okay, fair enough. So it kind of goes against the two no like the two notions kind of clash and immediately as soon as we started playing i began realizing that everyone was playing in a very sort of nice way so <laughs> you know they're they're befriending monsters and like coming up with these solutions that aren't necessarily fighting solutions so i actually had to have a conversation with the ladies at one point and we have it recorded but we we haven't actually released it in any of the episodes, but there's this conversation where I, I'm sitting down with them and talking to them about um, alignment because <laughs> their, their alignments aren't quite matching with what they were doing. And that was fine. It's just, it's it, it was sort of an evolution from let's do like really almost raunchy, like rat queens, like badass to the women are still badass, but they're also incredibly nice. <laughs> uh, so you... You have it recorded where it's like, let's talk about alignment. <laughs> yeah, hold on a second. All right, I need to, I need to, <laughs> yes, have this conversation with you because um, some of your alignments aren't really how you're behaving, and it's not like we ever, we ever thought we were going to show the alignments on the character sheets or anything, or that it has a huge impact. But I thought it was a valuable conversation because I thought it gave them a little bit of an opportunity to think about what direction we were actually going with the story. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I personally view alignment often as like no different than our own morals and values, how they morph and grow and change as as we do. Yeah, it was just like a, a slight shift in the alignments, but I th I feel like now yeah. now it's more in line with what they're actually how they're actually behaving. Right. Which makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, so you, you mentioned that you were kind of voted to be the GM because you had experience. How long have you been into RPGs? <laughs> this is also um, an interesting story because I I I have not played D D for very long. I I met my partner who works at Wizards of the Coast at a convention uh called Halcon, um, where we were both guests. So I was there as a guest author. He was there as guest as um, the D&D program specialist. And that was back in November of 2014. And he's actually the person who introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So we had um, a personal assistant assigned to us who introduced us. And I voiced interest in playing D&D because I, you know, it's, it's so a part of pop culture. And when you see TV shows and like, I think everybody at least knows what Dungeons and Dragons is if they haven't played it. And I really wanted to play it. So he set up a tutorial. And yeah, that was 2014, end of 2014. So fifth edition is when I first started learning. And because I didn't know anybody who played, I decided right away that I would DM a home game based on the um, the starter set. So the Lost Minds of Fandelver. Um, so I DM that for a little bit. And then I started teaching creative writing through Dungeons and Dragons at an at-risk school called McPhee Center for Creative Learning in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And there I also DM'd for the kids. So I I actually don't have that much experience, but I had more experience than <laughs> everybody else. So That's really amazing though. <laughs> 
So that's that's a really cool way that you got into D and like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you meet up with the other dames? Tell me about that. Yeah. So Jen and I uh, met last year, uh, and it was it was a meeting on Twitter. We had a mutual friend who actually works at Pathfinder. Um, and he posted a, a piece of art on Twitter and I thought it was a beautiful piece of art. So I followed the artist, uh, Jen Vaughn and we, she immediately followed me back. And then we had a conversation and the conversation was mostly about how I, I had just recently moved here and looking for, um, other people to, to write with because I had a really great writing community back in Halifax and I would co-work with other writers in public spaces, so like the library or coffee shop or whatever. And so we decided based on that Twitter conversation that we would, we'd meet up for coffee and see if we could co-work together. And it's been almost a year of co-working regularly once or twice a week. So she's a, she's a writer and she's a cartoonist. Uh, she's currently working on Goosebumps and Vixens for Archie. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And we're working on a couple of projects together as well. And we, so that's how we met. I knew Maris Mullally, uh, through my partner because he, he used to work with her husband, uh, at, at Wizards. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then let's see. Brittany and Essie are, are, uh, friends of, of Jen's. So we all sort of came together at this really nice dinner. So we had dinner and drinks and just sort of discussed this project and how we would move forward. And it seemed like everybody was interested and had the right sorts of personalities to to work on this together. And so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> here we are. And and the five of you all have like, you know, your hands in quite a few pots in the in the kind of geek world, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh Essie works at uh Nintendo and Brittany is she works at a startup and she her her partner works at a comic shop and she plays a lot of games. Um, Maris is getting she's uh, she's very into cosplay and as is Essie. Um, Maris does a lot of her own costuming and she's actually done some costuming for Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, multi talented pool of women. Jen does our artwork and Essie does our. She's part of Knox Mode Band and they do the music for for D twenty Dames. Yeah, actually, I did check out the the band. I really like the theme. Yeah, she did. They did a great job. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I didn't realize, though, that she was part of the band that did it. Yes. <laughs> That's really cool. And so, I mean, I'm sure all of you have your various stories in in the RPG gaming world. But for, for you, how, how do you find being a member of the RPG community as a woman? How do you find those parts of who you are affect the kind of spaces that you've occupied? This is difficult because I know I know that other women and women of color have had difficult experiences, but and maybe it's because of how I've entered the space, but I haven't actually had a negative negative experience playing an RPG or being in the podcast. Um, I I'm biracial, so my mom's side is is um Asian and my dad's side is is white, but I don't really feel like that's had any sort of impact that has been outwardly negative. I did, however, back when Wizards was looking for a game developer for Dungeons and Dragons back in the fall, I posted on Twitter that I was applying because I felt like so on the D&D &D team there has not been a 
female game developer, and I don't think even a person of color game developer on on the team. So I said, you know, I'm giving it a shot. It's a dream job, but I want other women and persons of color to apply for this job and compete with me because it's so important that we take that leap. Right. And that that was probably no undoubtedly uh, the most retweeted, most engagement tweet that I've ever had. It had by the end of it, like it got retweeted by some of the folks at Wizards, got retweeted by Will Wheaton. It has like over 400,000 impressions on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sure that killed your notifications. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Even within that, it was a very, very small minority of people who who were sort of trolling and saying, well, it should go to the, you know, that you you shouldn't be saying like only women or people of color or whatever should be applying for this job. Everybody should be applying for this job, that sort of, that sort of thing. And that's, that absolutely misses the point, right? Like those people are going to be applying. So what I'm saying is like, let's make sure that they get a wider range of people um, applying for the job, applying for the position, because we want to make sure that, you know, our voices are are represented and it's not going to get, they're not going to get represented unless we actually put ourselves out there. I think that's such an important thing. Like, I think that these stories are so important and there's so many different perspectives that ultimately I want people to get excited about hearing somebody who they are like, yes, that person is like me and they're creating a thing. And now that means that I could create a thing or that means that I can do this. Kind of the way you tweeted out, like more women and more people of color should be applying for this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that same thing. It's it's that how about not cis white hetero men? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, with with D20 Dames, what we what wound up happening in the end is like, even though we didn't all know each other at the start, it turns out that four out of the five women are actually biracial. And we have one one white woman on on the podcast that doesn't necessarily come out in the stories that, you know, like you say, you know, um, for Essie's character, she plays a half elf. And, you know, we were on a panel at PodCon where she explained, and I feel this way too, you know, half elf is one of those races within the D&D world where you feel like it actually represents the biracial experience because, you know, you're, you don't necessarily fit in either world. But yeah, it was, it was when we, when we started the podcast, we, we definitely were, you know, it's, it's, it's a podcast that's handcrafted by witches, you know, and we want to maintain a very strong female presence. But first and foremost for us is that we're, we're playing D and D we're, we're telling D and D stories and it just happens to be that we're all women and most of us are biracial. Certainly, but being biracial and being women means that your stories are inevitably going to be different. And we've we've had some really great feedback, even though like, you know, we only started in November and we only we're only running uh, biweekly, but we've had some really great positive feedback from a lot of people, a lot of straight white men or cis white men who who are intrigued by the way that we're we're playing D D because you know, Maris's character Rose uh, injured a kobold at one point, and she felt really bad about it. So she made reparations with the kobold. Like it's stuff like that where you know, ordinarily you're supposed to like you know, in a lot of D and D adventures, you yeah, of course you kill the kobold, but not in our story. <laughs> <laughs> right, and I I love that. It I I find that that's something that 
you know, we talk about how D&D and RPGs are big in, in pop culture right now. Mm-hmm. If you look at some of the most popular ones, like The Adventure Zone or like mm-hmm. Critical Role, visually, you do see, you know, white men and women. And it's frustrating that it is not as diverse visually, like as I, I think the community truly is. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And we actually just did our first live show at Emerald City Comic Con. And I think that was also very helpful because it's the first time people got to see us. You know, yeah. like we, we sometimes post pictures of ourselves, but it's not, it's not something that the average person at Emerald City Comic Con would know. Like we were, we were the D20 dames, you know, but to be in that room performing D and D, it was, it was pretty incredible. And it, I was really proud of the ladies just, just for jumping in you know just a few months after starting this whole thing (laughs) of course but that's fantastic is like being being seen at cons even Mm -hmm. too you know as like like here we are yeah in promoting ourselves and in promoting each other is is being explicit about hey like we're allowed here yes yeah. Yeah. And I know, I know that some of the dames have had some, some not great experiences, uh, playing, playing RPGs. I, like I said, like Essie, um, when we were talking on PodCon, you know, she, she mentioned when she was younger, you know, D and D or RPGs in general, people made it, made it seem like it wasn't for girls. And I was on a panel at Emerald City with, um, uh, Kate Welch and Alyssa Grant. And Brittany from our show and Jessica Ross from Bitch Team Alpha. And we were, we were a panel about streaming and podcasting RPGs. And there was a woman in the audience who I would guess she was probably in her fifties or sixties and, and said, you know, she was just amazed to be in that room and see a complete panel of women and diverse women and to know that, you know, Kate's character, Rosie Beestinger on C team, um, from Acquisitions Inc. that mm-hmm. you have this, this, these powerful female characters and these women representing RPGs. And that wasn't there when she was younger. You know, she said that, you know, when she was in the, trying to play in the eighties, like the, the space wasn't there for her. She was told right. that, you know, it's not, it's not for girls. It's not for women. <laughs> and as much as we love Dungeons and Dragons, um, I mean, Gary Gygax did say that it wasn't for women. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really hard, like, and, and likely influenced the reason why I think we're seeing this surge of women playing today is, or not necessarily playing, because there were women who played in the 80s and the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, and wrote for D&D as well. Right. They, yeah. But I think what we're seeing is women being more vocal about it and saying, like, no, this is for us, almost like in defiance mm-hmm. of in defiance of that statement and in defiance of the stereotype mm-hmm. of it only being for for men. Mm-hmm. The more I look around, the more I see that it is such a diverse group of people who are playing and RPGs really are for everyone. Yeah, I think the stri- streaming and podcasting community has really helped that too, because you're actually seeing, you know, as you say, like you're seeing people who are more representative of you on the screen. Right. And I think, I think with the, with, you know, Twitch also, it's a different way of playing D and D because it is more narrative driven. Whereas some, some of the more enfranchised players have, are more tactical. I saw a really interesting, like, GIF sort of discussing how to bridge the two, you know, because we have a huge community on, on each, uh, communities on each side. And how do we bridge that? Yeah. That's, 
that's actually a great point because I mean, for instance, like I, I only got a Twitch account like a month ago. Right. <laughs> and I'm still like learning how to navigate Twitch. Yes. I, I sound so new. It's fine. I don't know. Um, <laughs> whereas like you asked me about podcasting and the podcasting kind of world and community. And I'm like, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> like, I know this mm-hmm. backward and forward. <laughs> yes. And and that's a good point. How do we bridge the two? Because I think that Twitch does bring that that visual side of it that mm-hmm. you don't get in in podcasting. And and like I said, you know, for some of the big big podcasts or big shows like Critical Role, I feel bad. I shit on Critical Role a lot, but I I have. I mean, I never listened to season one, and I only just started listening to season two, and I'm enjoying it. But you do see white men and white women. Yep. Mm-hmm. And when that is like one of the biggest streams out there, yeah, I feel like it's it's unfortunate that it's not more representative. Yeah, especially because the cast is so large. Yeah, and and they do have guests on, but nobody who's like a permanent member. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's also indicative of a larger problem. Yeah, it's really neat when you hear the way that I think subtly those those experiences impact the stories that we tell. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, I mean, this isn't necessarily the direction I thought we were going to go when we first had the conversation about, you know, let's do Rat Queens. And, you know, we've got like meditation sessions with children, dwarves who have just, you know, escaped from gnolls and, you know, reparations with kobolds and and all this other stuff that's happening in, in the podcast that I just never would have imagined, you know? Right. And even I love what you said about the the experience of being biracial, because anytime I've chosen to play a half elf, I'm like, oh, cool. I get stats like I get bonuses from (laughs) the whole elf background and I get bonuses from the whole human background. That's cool. Like, and I don't I've never given it a second thought. Yeah. And so the way that I would play a half elf perhaps never get across the feeling of that biraciality because mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that's like. So yeah. how could I? Yeah. Um, and that's such a unique perspective. And that's something that is really, really neat to hear. Yeah. I suspect there are a, num- a fair number of people who, who play it that way. Cause I, I know that half elf is, you know, ever since I was really younger and playing video game RPGs, you know, half elf was always the one that I, that I picked. Right. <laughs> But if that's because you saw yourself in yep, that, absolutely. I mean, that's the beautiful thing I think about RPGs is that you can play the character that you see yourself in, but you can also make it escapist. Yeah, away from that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really neat that that you always played the half elf. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like you did that consciously, or do you feel like after a while it kind of clicked? Like, oh yeah, that's why I play. Yeah, it's hard to say because I I was playing games from such a young age. I don't know. I don't know if it was necessarily something I picked because it represent it must have been though. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> something you perhaps have never thought about it. Yeah, not in great great detail. Yeah, I don't I think it's just something that I gravitated towards because it it did seem like I could relate to the character. So maybe right. subconsciously it was uh it was a character that I or race that I that I picked. But yeah, now I've I've you know I I've branched out, but even when I branch out it's usually some sort of outsider character. Like 
in my Tomb of Annihilation game on Wednesday nights, I play a tabaxi, um, which is a cat person. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and th- that is a that is one of the more like outlander species races. Yeah. That's a perspective that I've never heard before. I'm so excited that you brought that up. Oh, cool. <laughs> it really it is something that I've never heard before. Whereas um, for me, I I often choose more outlander characters, like I'm or races, like I'm playing a furbolg. Oh, nice. On one hand, that's that's cool. That's encouraged, and that's part of escapism. It, it's not something that I identify with. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like to be an outsider, and and so I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's. I'm sure you're not the only person. <laughs> like it's interesting <laughs> and new to me. <laughs> But as we're, you know, when I eventually like um, get it edited and get it out, I'm sure there will be people who are listening and I'll be like, yep. Yep. <laughs> that is correct. Cat's <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm there with Cat. <laughs> but that's, uh, it's, it's great. It's beautiful. <laughs> so is, is B&B your main RPG of choice? <laughs> Definitely. It's essentially taken over my life. I, what are, how many games am I in right now? I've got, so I'm in Curse, Curse of Strahd, Tomb of Annihilation, D20 Dames, and I also have like a sort of play-by-mail forum type game Okay. with some friends in Canada. So we're spread out across Canada and we just sort of like, we type in our responses. Right, and then, the play-by-mails. Yeah. And then the DM sort of puts it all together on Wednesdays, I think it is. Yeah. So we have yeah. a few we have a few days to make our decisions and then she'll roll the dice for us. So yeah, I f- four games. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh you know, that's not so bad. I love Chris Lestrade. Uh, my character for that is a half elf. Um she's a she's basically like Lady Witcher from The Witcher. Yeah. So yeah. I love playing her. Yeah, she's a multi-class ranger sorcerer. She's probably one of my favorite characters. That's cool. And you had mentioned that one of the RPGs that you've never played that you wanted to was one called Tales from the Loop, which I've never heard of. Really? Okay. Yeah, tell me about it. So it's it came out very recently, and it is it's basically Stranger Things ET vibe. And you're role playing, um, these teenagers solving mysteries connected to this, uh, whatever this loop is. Yeah. It's just like very nostalgic eighties sort of feel. And uh, I have not played it. I, I don't even own a copy yet. I, I, I'm not sure if it was uh, kickstarted or, but it did ki- come out fairly recently. And, um, yeah, you, you play like all the, all the tropey characters, like the, you know, the cool kid and, the nerd and things like that oh that's really cool <laughs> and um like is it because it's kind of that 80s throwback stranger things et that that kind of grabbed you about it or yeah i i thought it was really different you know because like i mean i love high fantasy and that's what i love about playing D, but this is it's got that really cool nostalgia I recently played uh, Weave also, which the first season of Weave is sort of a Goonies, Stranger Things sort of vibe also. And that one is, that one's an RPG, but it's also got an app and tarot cards that you scan. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then when I heard about Tales from the Loop, that just tweaked my interest because I did enjoy playing Weave quite a lot. That's cool. I can talk about another one that I want to play. Oh yeah, please. I just got is uh, Dusk City Outlaws. Ooh, that sounds like Wild West. It's 
fantasy though. It's a it's fantasy heist and it's basically you're you're all part of these cartels working together on on these heists and it's it, it's in this fantasy city and it's uh it's actually um Rodney Thompson made the game and he is one of the he's one of the writers on he was one of the writers on D&D and also I think he did the Star Wars RPG and oh what's the board game uh Lords of Waterdeep oh that's really so I just got my my Kickstarter in the mail and it looks beautiful and I really want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Also one that I am just Googling. <laughs> like, this is one that I really wish that uh, the Adventure Zone would play because I think yeah. it's like really up their alley. Oh, cool. Yeah, I like the art already for it. So I'm excited that I was able to mention two RPGs that you didn't yes. know about. Oh my god. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm actually really glad that, you know, for you, you haven't, you haven't experienced those kinds of negative experiences that, that some women have. I do, I do think that that is because of how I came into it. Like I came into it through Wizards of the Coast. Right. And so when I play at conventions, it's usually with people that I know or, or at least know the connection or yeah and i i i have never had a a negative play experience but i also haven't like i haven't actually played like an adventurers league game um i've watched it but i i think that also the kinds of people who who you originally play with or or introduced to the gaming through i think it's just as important for women to know that you can get into gaming and not have negative experiences yeah. Because I think we hear about the worst of the worst most often. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes simply hearing those stories is enough to scare people away. Absolutely. I feel like the best way we can approach that is sharing our good stories and sharing our positive stories and sharing the good things about the community and saying that this is not okay and that the norm should not be that and that the norm... I think probably necessarily isn't that anymore. Yeah, I also think it's important for us to show up at, at conventions and actually play. Yes. And I think that that's one of the things that the dames have been talking about, you know, possibly running games or, or that sort of thing, just so that there is that female presence there. Certainly, because I mean, for me, I've never, <laughs> I've never been to a con. <laughs> Really? Um, and largely because the friends who I have in the city who have been to it all have negative experiences. So I'm right. like, I don't want to go. If you are in Halifax during Halcon, I can't recommend it high, highly enough because it is a very, very positive experience. I mean, I could also be brave and go because just because my friends have had bad experiences doesn't mean that I will. I think you, you bring up a good point. Women need to be seen not just not just being present at mm -hmm. cons, but also participating and running games. Yeah. I, I know that sharing those stories is how we, we deal with it and perhaps how we process the, having experienced it. Mm -hmm. And to a certain level, sometimes it's also to warn others. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, I think inadvertently it, it scares people away from something that isn't always that. Yeah. The more I hear about more women being at cons and running panels and uh, running games, the more I do find myself more willing to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and try it out because things are different from when I was a teenager and wanted to go to a convent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we also have in Seattle, a geek girl con and that happens in, I think it's the end of October and it's specifically for geek girls. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's a, it's a really great convention. I went for my first year last year and, um, yeah, it's, it's basically focused on, on women and all the panels that have different topics. It's intersectional. It's really great. Um, lots of gaming, lots of conversation. Definitely, definitely feel safe there. It's really wonderful. Oh, that's awesome. Because I think that's the biggest thing is, is like feeling, feeling safe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Like Emerald City Comic Con is really great. Geek Girl Con is great. PAX Unplugged was, was fantastic too. They did their first one in Philly this past year. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I guess before we went on to our turn about cons, I, I, <laughs> I was saying, I think it's really great to hear, hear those positive stories and to hear that you did have a positive and good introduction into the RPG world and community. That, that being said, why does it matter so much or how does it matter so much to you being seen and heard for who you are in the RPG community? While I think that D&D in particular has had a history of women writing for D&D, not necessarily like on the, in the forefront, there is a, a history of, of women being there. I think it hasn't really been well represented until fairly recently. And I think, you know, having the video streams and the podcasting has really opened up that opportunity for for diverse voices to be heard. And for me, it's I never got that when I was growing up. So I want kids and youth to be able to see that in me and see that's something that they can aspire to do or be, you know, that that there's a space in this gaming community for for everyone and there's a space for everyone at the table. I think that's really that's really key for me. And you know, for some grown-ups they haven't even seen that very well represented, especially in the you know, in the Asian American community, there's not really a lot of Hollywood actors or main roles that are going to Asian American actors and even though I'm biracial, I you know, I associate with that and and I think it's it's important for for the community at large to to see your own faces and voices telling stories. I think it's wonderful that you are doing this. <laughs> I think it's wonderful that you're you're jamming and that you're writing and that you're being vocal about being who you are and just existing. <laughs> you, you know, in in the spaces that you are and saying like this is this is where I can belong no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, like I, you know, for, for my personal experience it hasn't been negative. I've, you know, I've got I've got products on DMs Guild and, you know, it's it's all been very positive and I I hope that that sort of experience can be translated to other other people in the same situation as me. Yeah, and I I think that by you sharing your positive experiences and by you sharing the work that you're doing is I think accomplishing just that. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's a wonderful thing. Mm, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kat, for joining me. Thank you for having me on. It's really great.
Support for the I Am Here podcast, presented by RPG Casts, is made possible by listeners like you. You can help keep the show going, get sweet excess bonus content for as little as $2 a month when you become a patron on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash rpgcasts to check out exclusive rewards for patrons and make your pledge. I Am Here is a production of RPG Casts. The intro and outro music was composed by Emily E. Mayo. Special thanks to Peter Grelly for designing the graphic art and assets for both RPG Casts and for I Am Here. Visit the website at IamHerePodcast.com for show notes, transcripts, and so much more. You can find more about RPG Casts by going to RPGCasts.com and follow on Twitter at, at RPG underscore casts. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to I Am Here. It means so much.